0: For the love of goats, we are talking about everything goat. Whether you're a goat owner, a breeder, or just a fan of these wonderful creatures, we've got you covered. And now, here's Deborah Neiman.
1: Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode. I am joined today by Aaron Steele, who is the founder and co-owner of Goats on the Go!, which is a goat landscaping business. Welcome to the show, Aaron.
0: Thanks, Deborah. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for the invitation.
1: I think a lot of people, when they hear about goat landscaping, they think, oh my goodness, I can make all this money by just taking my goat somewhere and letting somebody else feed them. And so I wanted to do this show with somebody who is quite experienced in this who can tell people a little bit about the realities like I'm sure there's a lot more to it than just loading up your goats going somewhere and letting someone else feed them and paying you for that so first let's kind of start like so what came first the business idea or the goats
0: (laughs) yeah that's a great one well a small number of goats came first we live on a small acreage near Ames Iowa in Central Iowa and uh, when we moved out here we really just wanted to live in the country but then we started feeling kind of an agricultural pull like how can we make this feel a little bit more like a farm and not only that but our our acreage was far too big to mow too much grass to mow but uh way too small to be interesting to a farmer in a conventional sense so we started looking for some kind of livestock that could eat the extra grass and extra vegetation we had with minimal maintenance and so we, we stumbled onto goats and we bought a few goats and thought, well, these, these will be great. We'll get these goats in the spring about when our kids are getting out from school and they can have chores all summer long and then we'll sell the goats in the fall when they go back to school and before it gets cold. And um, that, that plan worked fine until we realized how much we love the goats and we're really impressed with, with what they can do. And like I said, we kind of were, were feeling this agricultural gene kind of emerge, this farmer gene emerge a little bit. I'm a city kid, but my wife grew up on a farm and we just started to feel like just living in the country wasn't enough. We wanted to participate in agriculture some way. And so we started thinking about how could we keep these goats and maybe even produce more? How could we turn this into more, more than just a hobby? How can we produce food for people and deliver some conservation benefit as well? So that eventually led us to the targeted goat grazing business uh, after looking around and, and doing some research and, and finding it viable in other parts of the country. We didn't really have a model to follow here in the Midwest, but we decided to give it a, give it a go.
1: What year did you get started in?
0: We launched in the fall of 2012 uh, basically by just putting up a website and, uh, and having an idea, you know, it was the, gra- the grazing season the growing season was over. So uh, we were really just looking forward to the following year and trying to get our business model in order.
1: Okay. So how did you actually even get this idea back then? Because in 2012, it was still pretty uncommon. Did you hear about somebody else doing it? Or,
0: you know, I had a a vague notion that uh, businesses like that existed somewhere. And I don't know where that, came from, but it was in the back of my brain somehow. And so it was just an easy step from there to do a little bit of internet research and indeed find a handful of those companies, but they were really scattered. Um, Their business models were all over the map. Uh, So there wasn't much of a template to follow, but I guess that was enough enough to give me enough confidence to go ahead and, and work on my own model and plow forward.
1: Okay, so then did you did you just load up the goats and go off somewhere and let them start munching, or how how did it go when you first got started?
0: Well, you know, there was a great deal of uncertainty. Still, I had not uh, operated a business of my own or started a business in the past. So uh, we went to another family that we knew real well that kind of had similar values of ours, and we're in a similar situation. You know, kind of a homesteading type of environment where they were dabbling in agriculture, but it was having trouble getting past the hobby. And so we partnered with them to start the business. I think that gave me a lot of extra confidence just to have somebody else on my side somebody else on my team. And we set out, maybe we were just handicapping ourselves, but we set out to say, well, this year we're not even gonna plan on making any money this year. We'll just do a couple of projects for friends and family, maybe a volunteer project here or there. And we'll learn a lot, we'll take lots of photos, lots of videos take lots of notes and we'll see if this has any potential. Uh, So we actually went to a, a nearby park system that was outside of city limits, a county park system, and we asked if we could do a demonstration project. And it's a really nice park. It's a highly trafficked park, a lot of walkers and hikers and joggers. So they agreed and we did a one acre project and we just, for the heck of it, sent out a press release or two. And before we knew it, we had some local news coverage and the phone started ringing. so even though we hadn't really planned to make any money that year we were off to the races right away
1: awesome yeah. so how did it go with the goats did were the goats totally on board and cooperative from the beginning and <laughs> made it really easy for you
0: <laughs> yes it was perfect no problems whatsoever <laughs> um no we the go it took a while for the goats to get used to loading into a trailer you know and for us to have the confidence to know what the mannerisms of the goats and the body postures of the goats could tell us about whether they were gonna get on that trailer cooperatively or not. You know, now we've got it really down to a science. We've had generations of goats get on trailers and get off trailers to some amazing new food every time. You know, and so we do find that 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 goes a lot easier now. (laughs) But, um, you know, the goats, certainly loved the vegetation right away. We did not have to uh, spend much time introducing them to new feed. Uh, they are already already eating similar things at our houses and the, the few new plants seem to be uh, move right to the top of their list very quickly. So that was an easy transition.
1: So if somebody wanted to start a business like this, what are some of the things Like, are are there situations where you would say, no, this is not going to be right for you?
0: Yeah, you know, we have, um, since we started Goats on the Go, after a few years, the demand, we were so pleased with the demand, but also we were getting a lot of people contacting us asking for advice on starting their own goat grazing businesses. So since then, we have developed a, a network of affiliates, we call them across the country that operate their own goat grazing businesses under our brand. And so we have got the, gotten the opportunity to see a variety of personalities try to make a go of this business. And I think maybe the, there's a certain naivety to, to believing that I'm just gonna spend my days working outside with these goats that I love in idyllic landscapes for six months, a year, and it's going to replace my six figure salary, you know, so we do work pretty hard when we talk to to folks about this business, about kind of getting past that ideal and dealing with some of the realities of it, you know, and, and those are the things that, that come home to roost right away for most people when they do their first project with goats is just the, how demanding the labor is. All of our, Affiliates across the country are independently owned businesses. They're entrepreneurs. They can go hire labor if they want to, but they need to know that if they plan to do the labor themselves, it's hard work. It's just hard physical work. Um, People sometimes say, well, I don't even understand why this costs anything. Why do customers even pay you anything? You get all this free feed. Right. And, you know, we learned our lesson really fast in those first couple of paying projects that we had that, we weren't charging nearly enough and that we were delivering a valuable service and that that service came with real costs maybe if this land was right adjacent to my little farm i would do it for free just for the feed but there's you know we're, we're working in public parks and along trails and next to schools and in places with dogs off of leashes and people who aren't aware of how electric fence works you know so there's there's a fair amount of risk and a lot of labor involved so I guess that's the the caution I give to people is be prepared for the hard work and charge what it's worth.
1: One of the things that I immediately thought of when you were talking about being in public places was liability. I have a feeling if I called my insurance company and said, yeah, I'm going to take my goats to start eating all over the place, that they would not even know what to say. They would just be like, what are you talking about?
0: Well, once the insurance agent stops laughing, (laughs) you can can start talking about the realities of the business. And uh, the hardest thing with insurance companies is to get them to to not freak out about something new. Insurance agents don't like new things. And so uh, we've, over the years, developed a pretty good way of having conversations with insurance agents about what the work really involves in terms of risk and what it doesn't involve it. A good example is our, our first insurance agent didn't know how to classify us and didn't wasn't about to create a new category for us. So he was looking for the closest, the closest bucket to drop us into. And we got dropped into the pest control bucket or the <laughs> the, the lawn care bucket. And so if you looked closely at our, at our policy, we were paying for risk associated with hauling, hauling large volumes of chemical over the roads. You know, because that's what lawn care companies do. That's what landscaping companies do is they carry fertilizer and pesticides on trucks.
1: Oh, wow. And,
0: uh, you know, that that was kind of uh, ran counter to what we were trying to do with our business and clearly was not a risk for us. So over the years, we've gotten better at talking to insurance agents. We've even, our affiliates get the benefit of having kind of a insurance concierge that is used to weird animal-based businesses and and fully understands what it is we're doing. So that has helped a lot, but it took, you know, going through three companies probably before we felt like we weren't paying for risk, we didn't really have.
1: Yeah, one of the things that I worry about with, with people in cities, and I tell people this, when just, if they wanna have a couple of pet goats, is, you know, well, electric fencing is really, not even an option for you because of the liability involved. Not that it's going to kill somebody, but if somebody you know walks up and touches it and gets shocked and stumbles backwards, falls and breaks their arm, they could try to sue you because they can say, well, I lost my balance because that fence shocked me. So what do you do? Because I know you are, you're putting up electric fencing in areas where there are people. So what do you do to make sure that, people stay away from it? Do you have signs or what?
0: In public places, we use a lot of signs, you know, and we set those signs back from the fence a little bit. So people are warned before they, they approach the fence. But ultimately, one one of the things I had to come to grips with in owning my first business was that no business is without risk in our society. And there's, if you're looking for the, the ideal business that, Presents no opportunity for you to be sued. You're never going to find that business. So while insurance agents might be a little bit scared by the description of what we do and and the word elect the words electric fence tend to scare insurance agents. If you look close at what we do, we have a lot less risk than other businesses that insurance companies came to grips with a long time ago. And so we just do our best. It, you know, we do our best to educate customers, to educate the public, to just do responsible things. And inevitably, at some point, something will go wrong. But uh, we just we just can't control our risk. We can just try to be prepared for uh, problems as they pop up.
1: So if somebody wanted to start a business like this, what would you tell them? Like, what do they need to do initially? Like, the first two or three things they would need to do. After they have their goats. Let's assume After they have, they have their their goats. Goats. Yeah, they've got sure. the goats and they're like, hey, I want to put the goats to work. I think
0: you need to understand folks who are new to the idea need to understand that simply having goats doesn't put you at a competitive advantage in the marketplace. Anybody can get goats. What puts you at a competitive advantage is having expertise and knowledge and a customer service mindset. So we're not We're often called a goat rental service as a shorthand, but we don't rent goats. Uh, We couldn't make a decent amount of money rent, literally renting goats to people, you know, just dropping them off and driving away and coming back in a couple of weeks. Uh, Where we make money is, and we deliver value to our customers is with the expertise that we have, knowing how many goats and what size of a space are gonna be required to deal with this species of vegetation in this environment at this density of vegetation? And then how do I also do a good job of communicating with my customers so that they feel at peace with this strange thing going on in their backyards, you know, or in their public park? Uh, That's the stuff that delivers value that people will pay for. And so when we work with our affiliates and training them, we really drive toward that point. Uh, Anybody can own goats. What do we do differently? And how do we think about this more as a service than simply a product of this certain number of goats that are going to pile off the back of the trailer?
1: Yeah, that is a really excellent point. I've heard vets say that that so many people go to vet school cause they're like, Oh, I love animals. But really what you're, you're going to be working with human beings all day. <laughs> so <laughs> because you're working with yeah. their owners.
0: Right. In fact, I often feel like it's not even a hybrid. Like yes we're, we've got a farm operation going on with this targeted grazing operation over here and you you feel like well you just need to be dabble in both of them at the same time well really it's, it's almost a distinct thing once you understand how to raise goats and produce goats and you've got that farm operation down um, it's an entirely different thing to know how to market to individuals package up a business model and present them with a service that has value to them enough so that they'll pay for it. So you almost have to look at the two things distinctly.
1: Yeah, one of the things that I think would be really hard like, I've had goats for 18 years now, but if somebody said, you know, come over and let me know how long it would take your goats to eat all this vegetation, I couldn't do that. You know, we do rotational grazing here, but we just, We just watch the goats like we don't try to predict how long it's going to take. You know, it's like, yeah, it looks like they've eaten, you know, most of it. So we need to move them to another piece of land. So how does anyone even begin? Like, I'm sure you can't. There's a lot of variables. But how do you even begin to estimate something like that?
0: Right. Uh, A lot of experience helps. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, it, It helps also that in any particular region in the U.S., you're likely to get called to deal with the same kind of vegetation over and over again. So, you know, for example, I could list probably four species of plants that make up 90% of the phone calls for us. And when we get there, we find out that every setting is, you know, each one might have some unique challenges, but really after a couple of years of doing this, you say, well, yeah, we've done that before. We've done that setting before. We've dealt with that problem before. Um, and that vegetation looks just like it did at the last project. So you you can get pretty good at predicting it. It's just a matter of knowing um, what what your goats are capable of. Now, we often use goat kids with their mothers, and we'll start in the spring with them, because we think it's important that those goat kids learn what to eat from their mothers. Each, Each generation, we feel like we're producing better and better brush goats. But they're a real hassle, those kids getting on and off trailers and slipping under fences and that sort of thing and, and not only that but they start as little tiny kids drinking mostly milk in the spring and by midsummer, now how do we estimate how much they'll eat relative to that vegetation challenge we were just called about by a customer uh, so that can be pretty challenging but with a little bit of experience you, you can predict pretty accurately
1: so I can definitely see the beauty of working with a mentor in this situation which I it's always great to work with a mentor even if you're just getting pet goats. So how do you work with your affiliates? Like what do you do in the relationship?
0: Well besides being able to use our brand and getting a profile page in our directory on our website, our affiliates come to a training that we put on. And we hold a conference every year as well for all of our affiliates. So we're not the only mentors. And when I say we, my business partner and I, um, we have a network of affiliates now. Some of them have been with us going on four and five years and have been in this business nearly as long as us now. And so they're mentoring and training each other all the time, which is, you know, honestly, it was a bit of a surprise to me how much our affiliates seem to value that networking and value being part of that tribe Um, and knowing that there are other people out there that they can talk to who might have just gone through the exhausting disastrous day that they did the week prior you know and so we actually have a a facebook group a, a private facebook group in which our affiliates can quick ask a little question or you know, ask a big question about a big problem and wait three weeks to see uh, responses from other affiliates all over the country pile up and hear different experiences. So that's turned out to be a really, a really neat part of our affiliate program.
1: That's really cool. And um, so how do you work with your affiliates like financially? Because you're, what you're doing is very valuable and I'm sure you're shortening the learning curve by miles and miles. <laughs>
0: Yeah, we like to tell folks who are interested in becoming an affiliates that we're, we're going to start them at 60 miles per hour instead of zero and really shorten that, that span between uh, launch and profitability. So our, our affiliates, they look a little like franchisees. We're, we are not a franchise. Our affiliates at, at its core are licensing our brand from us and a bunch of our proprietary information. And included in that is they get access to our training. But the day-to-day operations of their business are determined entirely by them. So we, we provide lots of sample information about pricing structures and how to operate and logistics, that sort of thing. But ultimately they decide how to take it and apply it to their unique situation in their business. So they pay us a, an annual license fee for that brand and that information. And uh, there's no commission on sales like you might have in a franchise situation. It's just an annual flat fee, and they get access to all of the benefits of our affiliate network.
1: And then when it comes to um, pricing with the goats, how does that? How do you price a job for? Like, what is somebody going to pay you when you take your goats out there?
0: We, we typically charge by the acre. We, when we first launched, we were messing around with various formulas of you know so much per goat per day plus the setup cost and mm-hmm. that sort of thing and we just found that our, that was information overload for our customers and we determined that ultimately the risk of how much time this takes should be on us as the provider and so we that's why we've gone away from a number of goats per day type of charge um, instead we as we were discussing, you know, we estimate how long the project will take and we charge a certain amount per acre to complete that project. So we have to be good at estimating because I think what surprises people is that this is a a time business. Yes, our goats are being fed while they're on the project, but each day that that project extends, especially beyond what we estimated, has a cost to it. So we have a cost to visit the project site. We have a cost to visit with the customer. We have a a cost in not getting on to the next project where we can earn some more money. So we, we definitely have to be good at estimating that. And, but we just feel like that's that burden is on us as the service provider to deal with that doubt and deliver to the customer a price that they know exactly what it's going to be when the project's done.
1: That makes sense. I had heard about the dollars per goat per day, and that sounded very tricky to me and also a little unsure, you know, that somebody might not have a great idea of what it's gonna cost them ahead of time, you know, because if the goats take longer to eat it. So your way sounds quite reasonable.
0: It is um it is intuitive though to think that your customer will want control over how much they spend and how long the goats are there because we do recognize that even though we're providing a real valuable service, a big part of why people hire us is because it's a lot more fun than some of the other alternatives. You know, having goats on your property for a little while is a blast. So um, we thought customers would want to say, well, I'll take fewer goats, but I'll have goats on my property for longer, or I'll take more goats, get the project done faster, might cost a little bit more money, and, and that they would want control over that. But what we found is that this is an unusual business. And customers don't really, even when they've committed to doing it, they don't really understand the ins and outs of it. So if we throw more decisions at them like that, it's typically not very helpful.
1: Yeah, that totally makes sense because they know even less than you do about, (laughs) you know, even if this is like your very first job, like you have a better idea of how fast your goats are going to eat than some person who just owns a piece of property. Now, it sounds like I know I've heard some really interesting stories like O'Hare Airport in Chicago rented goats, um, the Seattle Airport, Google, um, I think Yahoo, a variety, like so many different places. Arlington Cemetery, have they, lots of famous places have rented goats. But you're in Iowa, so I don't know, I, nothing <laughs> super <laughs> interesting jumps to mind. But have you had any really interesting jobs that you want to share? Uh, let me think. We have
0: done. Well, nothing's going to stand out like Arlington Cemetery, you know, in, in our resume. But I tell you, some of the more fun jobs we've done are where there are kids. So uh-huh. we've done some elementary school projects and that sort of thing. And that turns out to be a not just a service being provided, but a, a whole educational kind of package because we often get opportunities to talk. This teachers will bring their kids out of the classroom and and do like a mini field trip right outside next to the playground, you know, and we'll get to talk about conservation issues and talk about what an invasive species is and why it matters. Talk about the digestive system of a goat, how it ruminates, you know, and some of the, my favorite thing is to explain what rumination is to little kids, you know, Uh they just think it's super gross and super fun all at the same time. So, (laughs) um, So yeah, that one stands out. We, we do, have started to do power line corridors recently. And uh, those are really large tracts of land and they, they demand a different approach. So that's been interesting as well. Yeah.
1: Wow. That is really cool. So I think you've done a really good job here of giving people a realistic idea of what this business is really like. Do you have any last final words of encouragement or warning or advice you want to give people?
0: You know I often talk to people who want to use uh, a goat grazing business as a transition out of that nine to five cubicle job, maybe even quit that corporate job and go start a farm and they're going to use the goat grazing business as a, a way to quickly develop some revenue to support that knowing that if they're raising meat eggs producing milk that sort of thing it's going to take a while for those things to start to produce and what I tell those folks is that the learning curve of goats is enough at once, you know, goats will find every flaw in your plan and exploit it. And so I tell them, let's learn about goats first, then come back to me and let's start a business. But starting a business and starting with goats all at the same time is typically too much for people. So, I mean, there are some options for not actually having to own your own goats, to to run a goat grazing business. But even then, one really needs to get some hands-on experience with goats for a while before attempting to double up and use those goats as a tool in a business.
1: That totally makes sense. Now, if people want to get in contact with you, how can they find you?
0: Yeah, thanks for asking that question. The best way is probably just to go to goatsonthego.com uh, and you can see a directory of our affiliates and contact me directly there as well and learn about our affiliate program.
1: Well, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been really interesting and I think everyone's going to find it really helpful.
0: Excellent. It's my pleasure. Glad to be here.
1: And that's it for today's show. If you haven't already done so, be sure to hit the subscribe button so that you don't miss any episodes. To see show notes, you can always visit ForTheLoveOfGoats.com and you can follow us on Facebook at Facebook.com LoveGoats love goats podcast. See you again next time. Bye for now.